We are now in a section of the Sermon on the Mount where instead of dealing with the corrupt teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus is dealing with the corrupt practice of the scribes and the Pharisees and, of course, other hypocrites as well. And some problems that were in the Jewish religion, if I could use that phrase. And uh, the section runs from chapter 6, verse 1, down through chapter 6, verse 18. He covered giving. The first, well, verse 1 is an introduction. Verses 2 through 4 are secret giving. And now we're in the section about prayer. And in the midst of that section, there's actually three different units. Verses 5 and 6. I'm going to cover verse 6 today. Then verses 7 and 8 are a unit. And then we have the model prayer given to us uh, there in verses 9 through 13. And then there's the fourth unit. I think I said three. The fourth unit would be verses 14 and 15, they cover some additional teaching there. And then fasting, verses uh, 16 through 18. So look at verse 5. We covered this already. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They were looking for something, and they got it. They got the praise of men. And they are hypocrites. They are like pray, uh, pray acting. You would, if you would, and uh, wearing a mask, appearing to be something that they are not. And they got their reward. Verse six. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy room. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father who is in secret, and thy father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So verse 6 is talking about praying. We are to pray in secret to God. And notice the beginning of the verse says, but thou. This is creating a contrast between the followers of Christ and the hypocrites. And it's a pretty pretty, um, stated contrast, pretty pretty stark contrast, if you would, as well. But here's the contrast. It's a very powerful contrast. In fact, it's a very powerful personal admonition. This is how the follower of Christ should pray in contrast to what we just looked at in verse 5. But thou, and the thou is emphatic. The other thing we should notice about this verse and hopefully you picked up on it. I think I mentioned it last week. Notice the, second, the, the singular second person pronouns used in this verse. How many of them are there? Somebody count them and call it out. How many? I know Matt's got it. He's just about there. Okay. There's eight. There are eight Singular, second-person pronouns used in this verse. This is unique in the Word of God. 
This is bringing out for us the need for being alone with God. It brings out the personal nature of prayer. So number one, it is heightening the contrast between followers of Christ and the hypocrites. But it is also bringing out the personal nature of prayer. It's almost like saying prayer is to be personal and private and secret as opposed to public like the hypocrites were doing. Now, again, we're not trying to say we need to get rid of all public prayer. But for the follower of Christ, eight times, underline them, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy room, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father who is in secret, and thy Father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Eight. Singular, second, person pronouns, unique in the word of God. From the lips of our Savior, showing us the personal nature of prayer. Prayer is personal. Prayer is what each separate individual person needs in their lives. Now, I'm not here to pray, uh, to pray, to, uh, to preach on all the benefits of prayer. But if Jesus is highlighting these pronouns and applying it to the followers of Christ in contrast to the hypocrites, it shows us a great need of prayer in our lives. It makes prayer personal. Notice it says, but thou, when thou prayest, again, the the you is emphatic, and it is assumed that we're going to pray uh, when, whenever we pray, we're to, we're to pray with this attitude. The other thing here is that Jesus is not giving forth a set time of prayer. In contrast to the hypocrites who prayed at, the, at the, uh, those three times a day that we talked about last week. The third, the sixth the ninth hour. I don't know about you, but there's times when I need to pray and it doesn't come on the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour. Jesus is not setting a specific time to pray. He's saying, when you pray, this is the attitude you're to have. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy room. I think the KJV has the word closet, find a secret place for secret prayer. We're talking about find a place that you as a personal, you personally can address the Father. Find a place for prayer. Enter into thy room. The same phrase is used in Matthew twenty four twenty six. secret chamber. This is a closed place, a private place. Somewhere that is silent, somewhere that is secluded, somewhere that is secret, somewhere that is separate from other places. Literally, it's an inner room. Uh, We would call it a, a closet. It was a small interior room with no exterior walls, no windows, and it was primarily used for storage, like our closets today. 
the emphasis here in the and choosing a secret place to pray the emphasis is on no one being able to see you or hear you in other words don't make yourself conspicuous when you pray and so the idea here is not so much the place as is our attitude towards prayer as opposed or in contrast to the hypocrites. We're not trying to show off when we pray. So find a silent, secluded, stated place. Have a place for prayer. Now, I like praying in my truck while I'm driving. Now, I don't close my eyes or fold my hands. That would be dangerous. But I can engage my mind while I'm driving down the road. Right, Constantine? Another fellow truck driver. You can call out to God wherever you're at, and you know what? I can pray out loud in my truck, and nobody knows what I'm saying. Now, the guy next to me might think I'm calling him names. I'm not. But I can pray in my truck. Nobody's seeing me. Nobody's hearing me. Nobody knows what I'm doing. Jesus, of course, would go to the Mount of Olives. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples followed him. Isaac, Genesis 24:63, he went out into the field to meditate. It is not the room itself that makes uh, the time of prayer such that it is acceptable to God, but the fact that a place has been chosen that's private, it's secluded, and no one knows but God that you're praying. Jesus, it says in Mark one thirty-five, he rose up in the morning a great while before day, and he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Uh, Mark 6.46, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And so find a place, a secret place, a secluded place, a silent place, and go in there and pray. Notice then it says, but thou, when thou prayest, enter in thy room, and when thou hast shut thy door... What's the idea of shutting the door? Well, first of all, provides for complete privacy. It also is a way to exclude the outside world, if it were. Closing the door helps us to remember to shut out the things that distract us. Shutting the door so other people don't see us. Now, you can do this literally, which is a good thing to do, but we also need to do it figuratively. How many times have we started to pray, and we might even be in the closet, we might even be in there with the door shut, and we are mouthing the words, but not really paying attention to what we're saying. And that happened to anybody? It happens to me. We need to be able to not be distracted and be able to, in our minds, shut out everything else. And that's the idea of closing the door. Close it so no one else sees you, and only God is your audience. 
And you're not being distracted by other things going on in your life, in the world, in the house. And you're praying only to him. That's hard to do in some small houses. So go into that room, close the door, and pray without distraction and stay focused. I have a book in my library that talks about how to do personal devotions and how to spend time alone with God in prayer. And the guy who wrote the book stands and does his devotions because he found if he sat down, he went to sleep. So he would stand and read his Bible and pray. I can pray and drive. I can kneel and pray. I'm more likely to fall asleep if I'm kneeling and praying. But the idea is don't let anything distract you. Stay focused. Shut out the world. Shut out other people. And so shutting the door is a figurative way of saying shut out from your mind everything else except the person that you're praying to, which in the verse is thy father. Now this all seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Boy, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. Think about the unseen one that you're praying to, not the ones that are around you. Not the activities that you have to accomplish after you get done praying. Don't look at your watch. In fact, don't bring a watch at all. Shut out others from your mind. Forget other people. And stay focused on what you are doing. So this combination of the inner room and shutting the door avoids the possibility of anyone on the street, if you're in a house, anyone else in the house, seeing or hearing you, any precaution needs to be taken so that we can avoid using our times of prayer as a means of showing people how spiritual we are or to be observed by other people. One commentator said this, and I quote, the secret of religion is religion in secret, end quote. The secret of religion is religion in secret. So we ask ourselves some questions. What do we think about when we pray? Are we thinking about that others are listening? Are we thinking about our busy schedule? Are we actually thinking about what we're saying as we're addressing our Father, which is in heaven? Hendrickson, who's written some good commentaries on the Gospels, said this, The main emphasis, however, is not even on the place of prayer, but on the attitude of the heart and mind. Not the the secrecy is the real underlying thought, but the sincerity. The reason for mentioning the secret place is that the sincere and humble worshiper, one who is not interested in making a public display for the sake of enhancing his prestige, will find the secluded nook or den to be most appropriate for his devotions. It is there then he can shut out the world and he can be alone with his father, which is in heaven. That's really good. But thou, when thou prayest, enter in thy room, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father. So here we got the privacy of prayer 
and a child of God alone with his heavenly Father. And what I get from that is this. True prayer is really based on that relationship. A child coming to his father. It is through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we have access to the Father. Let me show you a couple of verses in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. You probably know these verses, but man, I love these verses. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Keep in mind that what that's laying out for us, that Jesus Christ, which says there in the next phrase, Jesus, the Son of God. He's our great high priest, and he has passed into the heavens. He was on the earth. He went through what we go through. In a typical basis, if you would, because it says he cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what we go through. He has passed into the heavens in the presence of God. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews says, let us therefore hold fast our profession. Why? For we have not an high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. There is nothing that you go through in your life that Jesus Christ did not experience. Every temptation known to man, Christ went through. And so while he walked on this earth, he understands our physical weakness because he was there. He understands the emotional weaknesses that we might face or go through, because he was there. He understands the temptations that we face, because he suffered through them as well. And where is he now? Our great high priest who represents us to God is in his presence. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews says, let us therefore, because of Christ's identification with us and understanding what we have gone through and what we do go through and what we will go through, let us come boldly under the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help time of need. That verse is a comfort to me. You know what it tells me? It tells me I have a right to come. It tells me that through Jesus Christ, I have permission to come. And it tells me that there's nothing that I can lay before the Father that Christ will not have understood and relayed that information to his father. 
Isn't that a great verse on prayer? Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and verse 22. Let us draw near, uh, verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest by the blood of Christ. You know, there was only one man once a year who could go into the Holy of Holies. And this is telling me that every child of God has boldness to enter in to the holiest place of all, the very presence of God Almighty himself through Jesus Christ. So let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. If all the verses that I had on prayer were those two, that'd be enough. But a lot more. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. We have a right to come to the Father. And we have a right to come to him as our Father. For through him, that's Christ, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit to the Father. When we pray, it is as a child coming to their Father. This Father in heaven cares for us, knows all about us, knows our needs even before we ask, wants the best for us, because he is our Father. And he's working to accomplish his wise plan and purpose in our lives, and he wants to give us good things. Our Father wants to bless us. And so when you pray, enter into your room, when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. True prayer is to God, not to the people, if we happen to be in public when we're praying. When, when praying in public, we're not praying to or addressing the congregation. We are leading God's people in prayer so what should you be doing when somebody else is leading the congregation in prayer? You should be thinking about those requests and echoing a silent amen and adding your emphasis to it if possible, but praying with that person. God is in secret. God is in the public place. God is in the private place. Our secret place of prayer will exclude everybody else when we have shut the door, but it will never exclude God. This next point is especially special for me because it took me a while to understand this concept. I don't know why. What is prayer? 
we've read a few verses, but prayer is bringing us into the presence of God in a special way. We can enter into the holiness, hol- holiness, holiest. We have access to the very throne room of God. It's like going into the holy of holies. This reflects what the true nature of prayer is. Entering into the presence of God and his personal communication between an individual believer and his God, between a child of God and his Father. This is one of the hardest principles I had to learn when it came to prayer, is that when I pray, I need to remember I'm approaching the God of the universe. I'm approaching God himself. And as such, there should be a realization when we pray of who we are approaching. For this reason, I took some very practical steps when I was pastoring And I would always ask someone if I could call on them to pray in open Sunday school or call on them to close the service in prayer. The reason I did that is because we had some very sensitive people in the congregation. Some men who, if they were not right with God, they would not pray publicly. They would not pretend It also gave the men an opportunity to get their heart and mind in the right frame, if you would. We should never call upon people to pray who are not accustomed to praying in public, but we also should give them an opportunity to prepare their heart to approach God in prayer. God is unseen. But to a believer, he is a living reality who have a true and genuine faith. R.A. Torrey said, and I quote, We should never utter one syllable of prayer, either in public or private, until we are definitely conscious that we have come into the presence of God and are actually praying to him, end quote. I remember in Bible college, a young man that I would pray to, he later became a missionary to Brazil. And both of us had the same attitude towards prayer, and we would pray together, agree who was going to go first, but we would always have some silence before we prayed. That gave each of us an opportunity, should we have sinned earlier in the day and had not made that right, to confess that, but also just to contemplate, to think about who it was we were approaching in prayer. And then one of us would lead out. And it was one time 
I, I couldn't even tell you how long we prayed, but he, he started to pray, and he, he said, it's like he could sense that he was in the very throne room of God. I mean, just the, the attitude that he had and the, the, the atmosphere that had been created, I guess you would say, but he just he, he blurted out that he, he knew he was in the throne room of God. And that threw me for a loop. But then I realized, you know what? That's exactly what prayer is doing. Brings us to the throne of grace. God is the one then who sees in that secret place. We need to remember who we're praying to. We need to remember that in prayer we are approaching the great God. And here's the other thing that I love about this, because it's talking about our Father who sees in secret. God keeps our times with him a secret. Does that make sense? God will never betray your confidence. He doesn't blurt out to the saints in heaven or the angels in heaven any sins that you confess. He doesn't let anybody else know who's in a secret closet what you're praying. He doesn't pass along any information that you give to him in prayer. What struggles you're facing, what sins you're having a problem with. Any requests that you bring to God are kept in his confidence. You say, well, that goes without saying, you know what? I think we need to be reminded of it because sometimes we're not honest with God in prayer. I remember a time, and don't laugh at this, please, okay? But it was serious to me. I was taking a walk around the block, the apartment where I lived, I was wrestling with God because I just didn't feel like he loved me. And I knew the verses. I could quote the verses. But there was a sense in my spirit where I just did not feel like God loved me. I got back to my apartment. I knelt before my bed. And I was punching my pillow, pleading with God to love me. God didn't tell that to anybody. And those verses flooded my mind that I can never be separated from the love of God. And the Spirit was reminding me God loved me. We have a tendency to approach prayer like we are spiritual. And folks, I'm here to tell you, God doesn't care if you come to him in the, on, the, on, the, on the mountaintop. God doesn't care if you come to him in the valley. God doesn't care if you come to him with sin that's unconfessed. He wants you to come. He wants you to confess that sin. And he wants you to come as a child addressing his father. And God will keep that confidence. 
We're sharing intimately with God, and he alone hears, and he keeps it to himself. That makes sense. He'll never betray your confidence. And there's a reward for secret praying. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy room, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father who is in secret, and thy Father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Can I say this? Just be honest in your prayers. You can't hide what's in your heart from God. If you're mad at him, tell him you're mad at him. Oh, that's kind of... No, you know what? Get it off your chest. That's the place to do it. Be honest in your prayer. Don't be professional. It's an intimate, personal time with your father. He sees us in secret. It is there that we have the wonderful privilege to pour out our burdens, pour out our hearts to our Father who cares for us, and he will reward us openly. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. God will reward us. I got off my knees after punching my pillow, and I was more aware of the love of God in my life than I'd ever been. Let me ask some questions. i just go through these quickly. Do I pray more fervently when alone with God than I do in public? Is my interest in myself when I pray? Do I want to be known as one who prays? Do I love my secret place of prayer or do I have love to pray so others can hear me? Is my public praying an overflow or extension of my private praying? Are we more concerned about bringing our request to God than showing off before men? What do we think about when praying in public? Are we more concerned with what others will think of our prayer than we are about actually talking to God? Is our focus when we pray on others or on God? Do we use prayer to gain the attention of others or increase our status with others? Do we pray to display our spirituality to get attention? Let me give you some safeguards. and These are not enumerated, but just... You know, just some givens. Cry out to God for help, that the flesh might be put to death and that religious pride might be mortified. Be impressed with God and aware of his presence. Talk to him, not the people. Pause if you have to, to remind yourself of that truth. Take a few moments, especially in public prayer, to remind yourself you are entering the very presence of God. And when praying in public, pray in the same way you would if in the closet, to a certain degree. Pray with the same simple humility and sincerity in the same words. Forget about others. Talk to God. Don't try to impress people with words and catchy phrases. And especially 
due to what we've learned from this verse, find a place that you can pray privately. We can still be the hypocrite when we pray. We can do things that will ensure that others see us. We can even spend a lot of time in a secret place so that others are impressed with how much time we spend in prayer in the closet with the door closed. We might leave the door open a crack, let other people know we're praying. God forbid we do this, but put out a do not disturb sign. Get the point. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, and I'll close with this quote. I would suggest, however, that the controlling principle is that the whole being of the person praying should be intent upon God and should be centered upon him, and he should be oblivious of all other things. Far from desiring people to thank us for our beautiful prayers, we should rather be troubled when they do so. Public prayer should be such that people who are praying silently and the one who is uttering the words should be no longer conscious of each other, but should be carried on the wings of prayer into the very presence of God. I think that kind of hits as a summary on this verse. Father, we thank you for the teaching that you've given us in your word on prayer. And may we not be like the hypocrites, Lord. May we be humble children coming into your presence because you want us to. In Jesus' name we pray.